Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. That special day, Christmas Day, we don't often have a Christmas Day service, unless, of course, it falls on a Sunday. Sunday is the day that we gather together. And so today is extra special because once every seven years, I suppose, uh, we have a Christmas falling on the Sunday. And so it's great to see a wonderful turnout today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse number 35. It is our custom in this church to stand as we read the opening text of uh, uh, the message today, Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Praise God. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now jump to chapter 2 of Luke, verse number 4. And I'm going to read quite a few verses here. Might be in, you might be in luck today because if I read a lot of verses, it might mean I have a shorter sermon. I'm not going to promise anything. Luke chapter 2, verse number 4, and we're going to read all the way down through verse 18. We want to get the whole narrative of this story. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I will bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I bring you good tidings. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. As this, and this shall be a sign. He gave, he gave them a sign. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God. Remember it says they're saying. It didn't say singing. They were saying. Not singing. We sing that, you know, we sing glory to God. But they were saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things, which were told them by the shepherds. Everyone say the shepherds. That's what I want to talk to you about today, the shepherds. Often focus, obviously, in the uh, nativity scene, and the shepherds are there standing by. Uh, but I've never really understood the significance of the shepherds. I just thought, well, you know, the angels needed to tell somebody. And I guess they were just the only ones around. 
Remember, there are no throwaway lines in the Bible, in Scripture. It's there for a reason. And so I want to talk to you about the shepherds today. Let us lift up our voices in prayer one more time and ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, we thank you that we can enter in your house. Thank you for the breath of life today. We have so much to be grateful for. Lord God, as we exchange gifts, Lord God, we remember the greatest gift of all, the gift of our salvation, Lord, that you have provided for your people here today. And so once again, Lord God, I'm asking you that your spirit as it has already been at work in this service to continue to work, speaking to us, anointing your servant and your people, that we may receive from you a word that can bring life, a word and obedience could transform and could be as it were heaven on earth. So we ask you for your blessing today. Anoint us, we ask, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you clap your hands one more time and give them praise? Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you for standing. God bless you. You may be seated. There are many inaccuracies that we can find in the Christmas story, or particularly with our concept an understanding of the Christmas story. There are uh, some myths, perhaps, or misunderstanding. We picture Jesus in the nativity scene, born in a stable, surrounded by animals, but the scriptures never actually says that. Uh, in fact, Luke chapter 2, verse number 7, it says that she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, as we had read, because there was no room for them in the inn. It never says that he was surrounded by animals. We picture the shepherds and the three wise men. And of course, the Bible never mentions there were three wise men. It, it talks about three gifts that the wise men had brought. It could have been more than three. It could have been less than three. But they gave three gifts, uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it was also part of our misunderstanding that they came to to see the baby but in actual fact by the time the wise men had arrived to worship Jesus he was about two years old and living in the house it says in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 11 that when they came into the house they saw the young child with Mary it says child not infant so there is a, an inference that this was already a toddler, a child that had potentially been weaned. Further to that, in chapter 2 of Matthew, verse number 16, Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. And so... Uh, we read that, that in this uh, particular application of Scripture that, that there had been some time that had transpired from the time that Jesus was actually born to the time that the wise men had actually seen Jesus. And many believe that the star, called the Star of Bethlehem, was, was in the sky for about two years. 
And so it took them some time. It wasn't like what we had imagined Christmas to be, that there was a, a star, a bright star in the sky with a beam of light coming down on a stable and saying, here he is. They had to ask around. The wise men had to travel around and ask people about where this Messiah or this king that was born would possibly be. It wasn't that straightforward, but the star certainly was there. And and many scientists have had uh, conjectures as to, you know, what the star could be. Could it be an alignment of planets, uh, which uh, I, I tend to believe that it's not an alignment of planets. I tend to believe that it was a, a nova, an actual star. And, and in fact, in some of the ancient records in, in Korea, they, they have records of saying of this big bright star that lasted around, around 4 or 5 BC, or, or 4 or 5 AD, rather. And... And it's very close to the time of Christ. And so there are a lot of, of these kinds of, of misconceptions. And, and we picture everybody following a star. And then the shepherds from the field near Bethlehem were the only ones who really came to see Jesus. And I, I don't mean to, to bust your uh, Christmas bubble here today. <laughs> Try to speak about all the things that we may not really understand. But, but I do want to point something very significant and about the shepherds. The angels came to the shepherds. In chapter 2, verse number 10 of Luke that we read and, and told them, fear not. And, and I often thought, as I said before, that, that they were just looking for somebody to tell, that the news was so good. This was such great news that they had to tell somebody about the birth of Christ. Just, just like, you know, when... When you get something new, you, you've got to just post it on social media. You know, if you've got a brand new car, it's, you got, you got to tell somebody. You just can't drive straight home. You, you kind of take a detour to your friend's house and say, hey, you beep the horn and say, look what I got. You know, uh, I, I kind of always thought that way that somehow the angels had to tell somebody. And the only ones that were really available were the shepherds. But, but the, the, this particular passage which which is quite lengthy in the scheme of, of scripture uh, reaches and, and speaks to these shepherds and there's an interesting reason why that might be and uh, according to Gary Stearman who wrote the the tower of the flock uh, what he's saying is that when the the angels came and gave uh, this instruction to the shepherds giving them the sign of here is the sign. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Now, you've got to understand that there are hundreds of mangers in Bethlehem. And so a manger is hardly a sign unless the, the Christmas story is not that vague but actually very specific. You see, according to Micah chapter 5, uh, the Bible says, you Bethlehem Ephrata, though, though you be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Uh, Bethlehem was known as the house of bread. And Ephrata comes from the root word for blood. It was Bethlehem Ephrata, the house of bread and the place of blood. And so this was a significant place because according to the Old Testament, there is a tower there 
called the Tower of the Flock. This tower was used by shepherds in order for them to be able to look out for the sheep and be able to make sure that in the nighttime, as the sheep were out in the field, that they would be looked after. But the tower played a more significant role than that. In fact, the, the, the shepherds of Bethlehem were known as the temple shepherds because all of the sheep that were used in Israel, in Bethlehem, or in the Israel temple rites, had come from Bethlehem. It had come from that particular town. All of the sheep that were raised were from the town of Bethlehem. And so when it came time for Passover, the shepherds of Bethlehem would go to the tower of the flock, and that's where they would inspect every baby lamb, every ewe lamb that was born to make sure they would inspect it at the tower of the flock which was located in Bethlehem. And that's where they would inspect the sheep to make sure that the sheep that was born was without spot, that it was without blemish, that it was a perfect sheep that would qualify to be a temple sacrifice for the Passover. And so if, if you think about that, if you consider that, then what the angels were doing was they were coming to the shepherds and saying, there is to this day born to you a Savior, a, and he will, here is the sign that you will find that it will be wrapped in swaddling clothes. And incidentally, when the, the ewe lamb was born, those shepherds would wrap it in strips of cloth to protect that baby lamb to make sure that that sheep would not be injured or harmed in any way. And so when the angels were speaking to the shepherd, they were basically telling the shepherds, go to, to this particular sheep that will be born as it were. He would be, as it were, the lamb, according to John the Baptist, the lamb that would be slain for the sins of the world. The, the lamb, the Bible calls us, before the foundation of the world was slain for the sins of this world. And so when they would go into this to find the sign, it was there was lots of mangers, but they were looking for a particular manger. They were looking for a particular place where this baby would be laid and would be wrapped in swaddling clothes. They would be the ones to come and inspect this child, inspect this sacrificial lamb, if you were, to ensure that they were the right, that he was the right person and that he was the one that was prophesied to come. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. He had, they had come to inspect this child to make sure to see whether he was exactly who the angels said he would be. And it would be the shepherds who were the temple shepherds or the temple priests. Many of these shepherds were from the Levitical uh, tribe that they themselves were qualified to be priests. And they were the ones to pronounce as to whether this child would be acceptable or not. And of course, when they saw the child, Having heard the word from the angel, they began to declare to all around what they have heard the angel said and declared to those around them that this was the Messiah. This was the King, the Savior that would be born. Praise God. Thank God. Amen. That God is available for us to be able, as it were, to inspect. And I want to urge you today, brothers and sisters, that we can, as it were, be in the position of the shepherds that we can begin to inspect whether Christ is who he really says he is. Amen. You can inspect Jesus for yourself. 
amen, that whether he would be the one, the lamb that was without spot and without blemish. And I submit to you that Jesus is without spot and without blemish, that he committed no sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21, the Bible says, For he made him who knew no sin, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews 4 and 15 says, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet, hear me, here's what it says, yet without sin. Praise God. Pilate stood in John chapter 19 and verse 4. Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto him, be, unto him, unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Amen. Can I tell you that Jesus never sinned, that there is no evidence that Jesus ever sinned? You know what that means for us? It means he's qualified to be able to die for us and take away all of our sins and remove our sins forever. Hallelujah, I submit to you that we serve a God. We serve a God who became flesh, the Bible says, who was made flesh and dwelt among us. The only one that could not sin was God himself who became man in order to take away our sins by going to the cross. He is the only one who was born for the singular purpose to die. Amen. We were not necessarily born to die, but he came into this world so that he would go to the cross and shed his blood for us. You know what that means? It means though you and I can have our sins forgiven. It means that we can spend eternity with God. It means that you can begin a new life. Today, if you come to God if you come to Christ you can start again hallelujah oh blessed and all that if you want to follow some teacher or some guru or some motivational speaker to help your life good for you go ahead and do that but there's not one of them that can take away your sins there's not one of them that can remove your sins the bible says he takes our sins and he puts it into the seed of forgetfulness you know why because they're all sinners but there is only one there's only one god who came to this world who came for you and I oh hallelujah glory to God thank you Jesus and so I want to urge you this morning inspect it for yourself examine the lamb the lamb would be brought to the priest for examination to make sure that this was perfect and sinless and I submit to you today that you have the ability to examine. Is this Jesus really? Is he really real? Is he the real thing? Or is he just like, like one of these experts would try to tell us that he's just one of the ways or one of the paths to heaven? Well, I want you to know that, that he, he doesn't give you, you don't have the right to put Jesus as one of the paths to heaven. Because he said, he declared emphatically, emphatically he says i am the way that's exclusive when he adds the the he didn't say i am a way 
He says, I am the way. That's exclusive article. I am the truth. He didn't say, just say, I know truth. He said, I am the truth. That means he is the source of all truth. And I am the life. And he said, no man comes to the Father except through me. In other words, what he's saying, there's no other path. There's no other way to heaven. He is the only way. And I want you to know that you can't, you can't put him as one of just, just one of the options. That they're all good. No, no, no. You can't do that. Either he is a liar like C.S. Lewis said. When you examine his claims, either Jesus is a liar or he's a lunatic who's lost his mind. But the only other third option is is that he is in fact Lord of all he is who he says he is he is the God of all creation he is Lord of all and there's only three options you better make up your mind what that option is but if he is your Lord today you can bow your knee and give your life and submit yourself to the one true living God Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm sorry for getting so excited. We've only got one service today, so, so I've got to try to give my all in this thing. Amen. See, see the, the angel came to the shepherds, and the shepherds were watching the flock at night out in the open. That means experts tell us that, that they were, that the shepherds, that the sheep were out there at that time. It was between April to the, the beginning or the end of autumn in the northern hemisphere, which is around November. And so, and most likely, if you, if you read the scriptures and the description of when John the Baptist was born, you can calculate when he was born and, and that Jesus was born around six months after John the Baptist, then Jesus wasn't really born on the 25th of December. But I'll take the public holiday. I'm, I'm not worshiping a pagan God. I, we, we know it's not, nobody really knows what day he was born. And some say, well, you know, the 25th December was some pagan God's religion. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. Sunday is named after the sun God. And yet we come to the house of God on Sunday. Are we worshiping the sun God on a Sunday? No. It doesn't matter. Because for us Pentecostals, we believe in Christmas every day. We remember that Jesus came to, to this earth every day. Praise God. We give thanks to the Lord that every day that God came down in this world to save our sinful life and redeem us and transform our lives. I want you to know whatever day it is, the fact remains God came to this world. He put on humanity. He walked the earth and at 33 years of age, he died on the cross. Hallelujah. So examine him for yourself. If he's just a, a wise teacher, just like every other teacher, then, then you can listen to other teachers if you want. But he wasn't just a teacher. He was sinless, without spot, without blemish, perfect. He was tempted just like you and I. He suffered every human experience potentially that you and I could experience and yet did not commit sin. That means he's the only one qualified. 
Remember what, what, what Romans tells us. He says that, that with one man's sin, Adam, when he committed that one sin, that means every single human being, including you and I, that came after Adam as his descendant, it means that we are born into sin. The one, one man's sin has such devastating worldwide catastrophic effects that every single person, the 8 billion people that are on this planet today is now tainted with the sin just for one, man, one man's action. And he said, but because of one man, a God who became man because of his one action, of the only one who did not deserve to die, the only one who should still be alive today, did not deserve to die, but yet because he died and he didn't deserve to die, and he, he should still be alive because he was sinless, yet his death means there is a global impact and effect on all who call him lord of all who are willing to bow their knee listen if money is god go go serve money if, if all these other personalities are god go find them and give your life to it but listen to me if jesus is who he says he is you need to do everything in your power you need to do everything that it takes to be a follower of this god if he is who he says he is then you've got to do everything whatever it costs even if it means you got to say goodbye to some folks even if it means you got got to cut off some things in your life whatever it is if he is God then you got to give your all hallelujah you got to give your all did you know joy to the world is not a Christmas hymn here's another one I want to bust your bubble about Joy to the World is actually written about the second coming of Jesus. Not the first. You read it up. You Google it. I Googled it. <laughs> Joy to the World is about the second coming. Anyway, I, I just said that. It has no relevance to my message. But. <laughs> Jesus spoke the truth. And some people will argue about this, what we call the incarnation. The incarnation is simply a fancy word for God becoming a man. Incarnate. You know, carne, chili. Anyone like chili con carne? Carne means meat in Spanish. Incarnate. He put on meat. He didn't just put on like, like a physical flesh. He became a man in every way that we, we are. And, and when he put on humanity, if you will, some would say that this is a contradiction in terms. There's a particular religion that attacks this idea of how can, how can God become man? That, it's a contradiction. It's like, it's like how can a human being become a dog? That, that's the analogy that people would use as to argue against this idea called the incarnation. In the Greek, it's the theoanthropos, which is God-man. God became man. And, and so some would argue, but... But uh, I, I want to appeal to a Greek philosopher by the name of Aristotle. He was not a Christian. But here's what Aristotle said. He said, uh, we have to uh, understand that an essential property is one in which its loss 
causes the thing to stop being what it is. So he says that's the only way that logically something is not possible. Is if I can become, like, like it's not possible for me. I am not a human and an orange at the same time. Although I'm, I'm getting rounder, I understand. But that, that's an impossibility. But it is not an impossibility for God to put on humanity and still continue to be God. He can walk this earth and still be God at the same time. He can be in a, in a baby, if you will, God himself, and yet not cease to be himself. He doesn't abdicate heaven. He doesn't empty out of heaven and ceases to exist and now inside a little baby. No, he can still, he can be in the baby, in a man, and yet still be God. In fact, that's how he created man. The Bible says he created man and woman in the image of God. Praise God. Yes, yes, we are sinful creatures, but I submit to you that we were created in God's image and that if God had an image, it is none other than a human image. If we were created in the image of God, there is that same kind of value. We're not God. We will never be God, but God created us in his own image. And so it is not a contradiction in terms. It is exactly what the Bible tells us, that he came to a, a young woman by the name of Mary who was a virgin. The Spirit of God overshadowed her and conceived in her of the Holy Spirit and was born of her the Messiah, the Son of God. And whenever you, the Bible refers to the Son of God, it's always in reference to God in humanity. You'll never find the term God the Son in the Bible. It's not there. That's the confusion of the Trinity. It's not God the Son. You'll, you won't find the term God the Holy Ghost. But it's always Son of God because it is not a separate person from God. It is God in a form of humanity. Oh, I wish I had time. I don't know. I didn't plan to talk about this today. But I simply come to encourage you that we are like the shepherds and that I've come to give you a message here today for you to inspect the Lord, for you to inspect and examine Jesus, whether he is who he says he is. If he's not, well, then you might as well just go, go, go play football, go, go, go have a barbecue, go eat prawns and, and make money and buy shares and buy crypto. No, don't buy crypto. Amen. Just whatever you do, but listen to me. If Jesus is the God who claims to be the God, then you need to pay attention to what his word says. You, listen, if you never make a million dollars and you were a follower of Jesus for the rest of your life, I want you to know you are a roaring success. You are more prosperous. Come on, and I'm not saying we shouldn't work hard and deal with our money wisely. Yes, we ought to do that, but listen, there's something more important than that is serving God. Listen, if you, if you have more degrees on your wall than a thermometer, and, and if you have billions of dollars, and yet you never do anything for, for God, I'm telling you, you are, you are a failure. Wow, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? No, you're a failure. If you never serve the Lord, you never win a soul. 
Amen. And, and, and I'm not trying to encourage uh, that we don't get educated. Please, we, we ought to do the best that we can. But listen to me. There is something higher and greater than that. And that is we ought to reach out to the lost. Jesus gave us the great commission to preach the gospel unto every creature. To make disciples uh, of all nations. And if you are never a success in the world. And yet you lead a soul to Christ. You help somebody along in their walk with God. You disciple them into a relationship with Jesus. I want you to know you are one of the greatest successes in this world. The world may not give you the accolades, but I want you to know heaven is standing in attention and saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The shepherds were not just there, but they had a role. They were to inspect the sacrificial lamb. You remember the story of the woman with the alabaster box? The Bible says she took this alabaster box that was very valuable, filled with, with, with perfume and ointment, and she broke it and began to, to, to wash his feet with, that, with the ointment. And the disciples of Jesus were so upset, saying, why is this waste made? This could be used. You know, they're thinking up here, this could be used to, 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 to help others, a better cause. What a waste. And then Jesus said, because she has done this for my burial. She had a revelation of who Jesus was. All that time that his disciples were trying to stop him from going to the cross, here was a woman who came who recognized that he, he was actually king. He actually came to go to the cross. She had a revelation of who he was. And Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, wherever the gospel is preached, you tell the story of what this woman had done unto me. Because when you get a revelation of who he is, even if you spend all of your money, even if you turn your back on a lucrative career to serve God, I tell you, it is not a waste. It's not a waste. Hallelujah. I've got to stop. Musicians, if you'd like to. I listened to a podcast recently. And they were not necessarily Christians. They were saying, well, how, how can we know that Jesus really existed? There's no, no Instagram back then, no TikTok. No pictures. How do we know? And they were shedding doubt on the veracity and the reason why was because they said well we're, we're, there's really not much evidence and they refuse to take the witness of the gospels but there is no reason why the gospels are not a reliable source of historical document but most people refuse to accept it because they believe well it, it's bias well, who else is going to write about Jesus and all he did than those who were there, who were eyewitnesses? 
those who were against Jesus, those who were antagonistic and hostile to the Lord, wouldn't write a thing. But you simply got to do a simple search and read the first century Roman Tacitus who considered one of the more accurate historians of the ancient world, he mentioned Christians, superstitious Christians, he said, who suffered under Pontius Pilate for their Christ. This was not a Christian. Flavius Josephus, he was a Jewish historian, not a Christian, writes in his Antiquities. He refers to James, the brother of Jesus, who was called the Christ. There's controversial verse that says, now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, on and on and on. Pliny the Younger wrote a letter about Christians who worship Jesus. Julius Africanus quotes the historian Thallus in a discussion of the darkness that followed the crucifixion of Christ. The Babylonian Talmud confirms Jesus' crucifixion on the eve of Passover and the accusations against Christ. Lucian of Samosota was a second century Greek writer who admits that Jesus was worshipped by the Christians. Listen, if we can't take the Bible, if we can't take any of these extra biblical sources, then, then nobody lived, nobody existed in the ancient world. Alexander the Great never existed because, and you know, the amount of historical, the amount of, of New Testament and biblical documents that we have today in comparison to the ancient documentation, there's about six to seven hundred of Homer. That's the nearest to the New Testament pieces of documentary evidence. You know how many pieces of evidence we have in the New Testament? From 600, that's the, the closest, the New Testament has 26,000. 26,000 uh, New Testament uh, documents. Don't tell me Jesus isn't real. Examine for yourself. You be the shepherd. And if he is the Messiah, then you need to listen to what he has to say, what he has for your life, what he calls you to do. If he's not, you can dismiss him. Go do whatever you want to do. But if he is God, as he claims to be time and again, I could go on and on. Then you need to adhere to what he has to say. He is the Lord. He is the good shepherd. Hallelujah. 26,000 pieces of documentary evidence to the existence of Christ. And I think there's something even more powerful than that. Is over 2 billion people still to this day claim to be followers of Jesus. How is it that a small sect, cult, was not snuffed out even though they were thrown to the lions in the Colosseum? even though at the threat of a sword to their throats, yet instead of snuffing out this newfound religion, it continued to expand and reach this world. And we sit here today because the power of who Jesus is and what he did expands to us today. And God's bringing a revival to this world, a revival of biblical authority of going back to the original of what scriptures teach. Not just tradition, folks. I'm sorry. 
not just to some form of religion, but going back to the Bible, to biblical authority, what Scripture says. Here's what Scripture says. If you want to be born again, if you want to be saved, you've got to repent of your sin, to make a decision, say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. And then the Bible says you must be baptized in Jesus' name. It's got to be in the name of Jesus. When the disciples baptize, they baptize folks in the name of Jesus Christ. What for? It's for the removal of your sins, forgiveness of your sins. Nothing magical about the water, but it's the, the shed blood of Jesus and your response in faith. When you step into that water, when you come out of it, all your sins are gone. And the Bible says he will give you. He shall give you. This is the greatest gift of all. He shall give you the gift. Amen. If you didn't give a Christmas gift this year, today, I want to offer you a gift that Jesus wants to give you of forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Ghost filling you, being filled with the Spirit of God. Not just tickling your goosebumps, but He will fill you on the inside. The Bible says when they received the gift, there was a sign. They began to speak in other tongues, didn't know what they were saying, but the Bible says it's the Spirit of God praying through them oh hallelujah thank god almost 30 years ago i got the holy ghost 19 year old was lost in the world wrapped up in drugs and all kinds of sin and immorality oh but the first night i came to church somebody laid their hands on my head and i began to speak in a language and god filled me with a spirit let's all stand today Oh, hallelujah <laughs> I'm appealing to some shepherds right now for you to make an inspection for you to make an examination you need to find out because you will ever be confronted in your life by the personality of this Jesus Jesus who still changes lives today 2022 this year we've had a hundred people baptized in Jesus name We can make that 100 and 105. I don't know, any five people here have not, not been baptized? And you want to follow Jesus? You want to be born again? Because you can't go to heaven without being born again of water and spirit. You can, we can baptize you today. Brother Greg, he cleaned up that baptistry last week. There's a filter going on. There's chlorine there. It's warm. But beside all that, you need to make a decision. Now, I don't want you to be baptized if you, you feel like you're being pressured. You, it's got to be a decision from the heart. We're not here to pressure you. But if there's somebody here who feels the conviction in their soul, say, God, I've got to do something about my life. I need, I need to do, I need to follow you. I want to be sold out for Jesus. I want him to be my number one. I want him to be my all because he is God of all. He is the only God. Oh, hallelujah. Every head bow and every eye closed. Would you lift your voices to the Lord and begin to talk to him all over this house? In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for what we feel in this place. Thank you for your anointing and your word. God, we examine you. Lord God, that the scriptures and the evidence that points to the reality to the veracity that you were born that you lived and you died on the cross but God and what you have spoken in your words that have been that have been recorded by your disciples by the gospel writers
by the writers of the epistles, Lord God, by the writers of, of the book of Acts, Lord Jesus, it all testifies to the reality of who you are. And so today, Lord God, we want, as it were, the shepherds to look in, for us to gaze into your word and to who you are. And the Lord, we would respond in kind to be a follower of you, to hearken to the voice of your Holy Spirit, to be born again, Lord Jesus, to submit our life and surrender in willingness, Lord God, to take up a cross and follow you. We want to be a follower of you. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation. Lord, we're not ashamed to call you our God. But Lord, we're thankful for what you did for us. We're thankful for dying on the cross for us to make an atonement, Lord God, for our sins, to make us one with you, Lord God. And today we open our hearts and believe you by faith to receive this promise. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. I want to invite you to come out of your seat to this altar here if you'd like to pray. If you believe, if you've heard from God, if you want to get a touch from the Lord, if you want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, we can pray with you. This is your opportunity now. This is a house of prayer. Everybody in this house ought to be praying and talking to the Lord. But if you believe that God's word is for you, you believe it's true, you've inspected Jesus, you believe him for what he proclaims, for what he declares, I want to invite you to come out of your seats and receive something from the Lord. Receive his promise and his power. Receive God's blessing of forgiveness and the filling of his Holy Spirit to all who are hungry and thirsty. Or maybe you've never, you've never repented of your sins. You don't really know what that means. I want to urge you today, you can talk to him like you're talking to your best friend. You say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for my sins. I've given my life to you. I, I don't know who about all of this. I'm not really sure, but God, I'm willing to give it a try. I want to encourage you today, if you open your heart to the Lord, He can touch you in a way that will change you forever. Hallelujah. Whatever your needs are all over this house, why don't you come? Come and pray and talk to Him. If you, you feel embarrassed or shy, wherever you're seated, wherever you're standing, please talk to the Lord there. It doesn't matter where. But there is special blessing when you step out by faith that you're saying God I want to get something from you let's seek him together shall we while he may be found bless the Lord